Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mark Geist Show. This is Mark Geist, your host, and thank you for joining me after this long 4th of July weekend. I hope everyone enjoyed the time with family. I got to spend some time with my family. I don't get to see them too often, so that was a lot of fun. We ended up all meeting up in Chicago and got to check out quite a bit of that city. So I'm going to jump into the fray in this episode and talk about what everybody else is talking about right now and probably what everybody's podcasts are going to be about tomorrow or later this week this is really the big the big political issue going on right now and what everybody's going to have an opinion on and everybody's going to try to use it to fit their agenda but i want to give my opinion have it out there on the record and i think it fits into a lot of the topics that we've already covered on this show. And there are some unifying themes that you can you can take what's happening with this Hillary Clinton case and apply it to really what's happening all over the world. So first I want to go into just a few quotes that really stuck out to me from James Comey, the FDI director, from his statement about the Hillary Clinton email investigation. So... The first one that really stuck out to me, he called Clinton and her aides, quote, extremely careless in their handling of very sensitive, highly classified information, end quote. So extremely careless. That's a, those are very important words to remember when thinking about this investigation. Next, quote, there was no evidence that they intended to violate laws. And finally, a third quote, any reasonable person in Clinton's position should have known that an unclassified system was no place for that kind of conversation, end quote. Obviously, at the end of this statement, Comey recommends that the Justice Department not indict Clinton, basically that uh, she made a mistake, she's acknowledged the mistake, but there is no evidence that they intended to violate laws. They also said that there were seven email chains that they looked at that were classified as top secret, which is the highest level of classification. Also, there were 110 emails and 52 email chains that they found throughout their investigation that were determined to have classified, claimed, determined to have contained classified emails at the time they were sent or received. And then about 2,000 emails were determined to have classified information after they were sent or received. So they were up classified was the terminology they used. After they were sent or received, they were determined to be classified. So that was really the meat of what Comey said. The interesting thing here and what everybody's talking about, uh, it it's really that Clinton should not be indicted because there's not any evidence that they intended to violate laws or that she intended to violate laws now i wasn't aware that that's how laws work i <laughs> especially when they come about really your regular course of doing business if you violate a law whether or not you know the law exists especially when you should know that this is shady or this it's not honest even if maybe it wasn't against the law she had to know that she was doing something wrong here or something that could be construed as being wrong 
So the simple fact that because there's no evidence that they intended to violate the laws that Clinton should not be indicted or should not be punished for what she did, I think that sets a really dangerous precedent. It's not it's not applicable to any of us in our everyday lives. If you do something that betrays company, say that you work for a particular company or you work for the government and you're not in a high status position like Hillary Clinton and you do something that betrays trade secrets to another company, whether or not you intended to do it, you're probably still going to get fired. And depending on what the information was, there even could be criminal prosecution. Obviously, it completely depends on the situation. But intention really doesn't have anything to do with violating laws. Intention and actions are are two different things. So I thought that was the most important thing to come out of Comey's statement. Also, what was really important was the fact that what he said directly contradicts what Clinton has said and reiterated throughout her campaign for president. So this is the this is the outcome that she hoped for, but these contradictions are going to still hurt her quite a bit. It's going to open her up for a lot of criticism from the Trump camp and from her many opponents, not just in the opposition party, but also within her own party. So Clinton, I just picked out a few quotes that she has said. She said, everything I did was permitted by law and regulation, which Comey's statement obviously shows that's not the case. She said, quote, my use of email was allowed by the State Department, end quote. She also said, quote, never sent nor received any information that was classified at the time it was sent and received, which the information that Comey gave directly contradicts her spokesman brian fallon also said quote as the secretary has long said it was a mistake to use her personal email and she would not do it again end quote so it's pretty funny how gullible they think the public is and how we can treat our politicians like children and let them get away with with things with these childish excuses behind them like oh it it was a mistake she's not going to do it again she's learned her lesson is that really how we can treat the people who we have vested so much power within we can't and expect a system like we have to continue to run and as i've long said the system is broken and more and more people are waking up to that fact that the system's broken. Obviously, their their solutions are are very different. There there are a wide ranging number of different solutions. Whether you're coming at it from a Bernie Sanders type perspective or from a really ultra progressive type perspective, where the answer is more more controls and and more regulations. That's the way to fix the broken system, fix the corrupt system. Or whether it's to come at it from more of a Trump type perspective, which I think is a lot more similar to the progressive stance than a lot of people want to admit. But his whole thing is, yeah, we've got to come in and and basically kick out all the crooks. That's the way to do it, is really to come in with that bully type mentality and to start running 
government like a business. That's the that's the that's the Trump angle. And then libertarians which have been fed up with the system for generations now. Libertarians have the stance that the system never should have been we never should have vested that much power in the government to start with. And this is the inevitable progression of when you invest this much power in a particular group of people, this is going to be what eventually happens. There's going to be corruption on a huge scale, and there's there's no way to have big government without these types of things happening. So really, all three of those camps recognize the problems. And more and more people are going to those three different camps. Obviously, there are some different variations within the different camps. Obviously, the progressives are starting to kind of divide a little bit. A lot of people are supporting Trump for wildly different reasons, and some people are coming to libertarianism maybe because they believe in what libertarians believe, but I think it might be just because they have kind of the other candidate where so many people don't want to support Clinton and Trump. So they're just supporting Gary Johnson this time around because he's the only other viable candidate that they see. Not that he's going to win, and I don't think anybody really thinks he's going to win, but they're seeing him as a reasonable candidate that they can support so that they don't have to put anything behind Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump. Though I disagree with the Republicans on many, many issues, I thought they did a pretty good job with their response and voiced kind of what the American people's response to this whole thing is. So, Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan, he said in his statement, declining to prosecute Secretary Clinton for recklessly mishandling and transmitting national security information will set a terrible precedent. End quote. Which I completely agree with i think where does it stop if you can if you can defend somebody breaking the law and defend somebody being extremely careless by saying that it was a mistake or there was no intention to violate the law where does that defense stop and especially with powerful figures in our government what could they not get away with by using this same defense so I think what, what what Ryan's saying, and I agree with him here, is that it's a slippery slope. So you let Clinton get off the hook for this, basically using the defense that she didn't know that she was breaking laws, or she didn't, basically using ignorance as a defense. Where does it stop? You know, when when could a politician not use ignorance as a defense? I think it's a very important question we have to ask when we don't even allow these types of things to come to a public forum, you know, to to a public hearing to to see to really really get a sense of of what happened here and to really make her accountable for what she did. So, also RNC chairman Rance Priebus said Quote, I certainly don't understand how you describe a textbook definition of gross negligence and you have case after case after case of soldiers and other military personnel being kicked out of the military for things that are far less egregious than what Hillary Clinton did. And this is also another good point. Basically, other people have been punished for doing far less and have lost their jobs 
or you know even been put in prison and they weren't dealing with the type of information that Hillary Clinton was dealing with she was the Secretary of State one of the most powerful positions in the United States government in which there is a lot of information being transmitted with foreign governments so I mean, not just classified information from our perspective but also information from our allies and from other countries which could which could harm our relationships with them so I think that was a that was a great point by Priebus as well and there are a lot of things that you can there are a lot of angles you can take to, to criticizing this I think the most important for me and for kind of the direction that I've been trying to take this show is this isn't this is another case where there is a certain class of people and it's the the political elites you may call them the establishment that are not held to the same standard as the rest of us and now it may have been easier in another time to get away with this because just the spread of information was much slower uh, a lot of people just kind of lived in their their localized areas and, and and they never really cared about what went on in the the greater world around them but now with with the internet and with how connected we all are and how all of us have access to this news basically right after it happens and i think we all now even if it's not the case we all now feel like because of this access to information that what happens all over the world actually does impact us personally where maybe if we didn't really even have access to that information or if it was more removed from us we couldn't just type something on the internet and see exactly what what was happening maybe at that point we just would tune it out and say oh yeah that doesn't really matter to my life even though i don't think i don't think that that what happens elsewhere necessarily has any larger effect on our lives now than it has in the past so i think it's kind of an illusion in our minds but basically the whole hillary clinton scandal and basically how this has all unfolded and it was pretty predictable that she wasn't going to be that she wasn't going to actually be indicted it was a great story and i i would have liked to have seen it happen just to really hold her accountable for what she did but it's not surprising that she that she wasn't indicted but it just goes to show that there is this class of people that is separate from us and is held to a different standard than us and i don't know how you can perpetuate a system like that where certain people are favored over others and i think I talked about this before. I think it's a necessarily outgrowth, necessary outgrowth of big government where this happens, where there's a certain class of big corporate executives and powerful government officials and big media reporters and personalities where there's kind of a coalition of all these different groups that really do hold significantly more power than the rest of us because the government officials can hand out favor can hand out favors or pass legislation that favors big business and really any big time regulation doesn't even necessarily have to on the face of it favor big business but really any large scale regulation is going to favor big business because it always is going to cost money to comply with and 
small businesses are much less able to absorb those costs than large businesses. And then also large businesses have much more ability to donate to political campaigns and to really influence political actions through the money that they control because they are large. And then you have, I said, the other arm of this was the media elite. And the media elite has traditionally been responsible for crafting the message of the political establishment. So getting that message out to the public. And because there inevitably are going to be cozy relationships between the two, there can be a conflict of interest there. Because for the media elites, so for the reporters and the, the personalities in the media to remain relevant in that kind of system, they need to they need to get information from the political elites. So there's really there's this coalition of all of them that in recent times have have really been able to elevate themselves above the common person and above the small business owner and above the you know just the the regular worker or the regular citizen and they've been able to hand out favors that the rest of us couldn't possibly enjoy and this is just evidence of that but the difference now is that this information is getting out to everybody so everybody is going to know the details of the Hillary Clinton investigation. Everybody's going to have a reaction to this. Not that this is the first time that anything like this has ever happened where we've had the internet and where a lot of people have been able to to learn about it. But I think you're seeing the reactions to this in real time and you're seeing all really the wide-reaching implications that it's having. And not that other past scandals haven't had similar wide-reaching implications. But I do think we are seeing a change here. And it's pushing more and more people to that anti-establishment mentality, which I talked about uh, two episodes ago. And what you're seeing a lot of is people are willing to ally themselves now with anybody that's standing up to the establishment, regardless of whether or not they really believe what that person or what that movement is proclaiming. Just because they're anti-establishment is enough for them. So you may have people going to Bernie Sanders just because he's different, just because he is promising to, to screw with the establishment and take down the establishment. Even if maybe they're not socialist or socialist-leaning or even progressives, they may just be following him because he's consistent. You're seeing a lot of people go onto the Trump train, even though they may not really agree with anything that, that Trump is saying, just because he's against the establishment. So I think I think we're seeing we're seeing a lot come to a head right now. And I don't know how much longer big government and really the elites can sustain the power that they hold over the rest of us. So what I talked about following Brexit with kind of how the internet has opened up so many so many lines of communication and it's opened up the ability for our lives to be very individualized. We're able to really get what we want, at least maybe not get exactly what we want, but get it, get more of what we want than any past group of people in human history. 
how all of this is coming together to threaten the establishment. And I think when you have really high-profile cases like this involving a presidential candidate, involving possibly the most famous woman in the country, when you have all of that happening, I think it's inevitable that something is going to change. And I can't really say what that is going to be. I can't say whether that's going to be the elite goes to greater lengths to try to control everybody, which very well could happen, but I don't know how you can do that nowadays with with the internet. I, I think, I know I keep coming back to the internet, but I think it's just impossible now to carry out some of these covert types of types of things that were done in the past. I think it's much more difficult to do now than it was in the past, just because of how quick information changes hands and how, how quickly it travels. But I could see that being their attempt. I could see them attempting to do that to protect their own interests. I could certainly see that happening. Or are the, the commoners going to rise up and really demand a change in government? And when I say change in government, I mean a real change, not just you know the, the, the fake Obama change. But are they really going to demand, and this is what I'm hoping for, but really demand smaller government? Are they finally going to wake up to the fact that when you combine, when you have big government, this type of this type of, of arrangement is inevitably going to happen? Because you can't have big government concentrated just in one sector. So this is where I think both the Democrats and the Republicans go very wrong because I think the Democrats find it impossible that or don't realize that when you have big government in terms of providing social services and you know this could this can be health care uh, welfare and any sort of entitlements uh, when you have big government in that sense it's going to find its way to also have a big military where people in those industries can enjoy the same kind of benefits that people in the healthcare industry enjoy due to the democratic due to the democrats policies that's going to happen the military is going to get large for the same reason that the social services sector is large you can't just contain it you can't have a huge government in this in this one area and minimal government in another area. And that's what, mil that's what the military is. It's an outgrowth of government. The Republicans can't see it the other way. So they can't see that if we have a huge military, it's not going to find its way into the social services sector. They're one and of the same. They're, you know, they're, they're arms of the same organism. So what's important to remember is that I I think we're going to see, and what I'm hoping we're going to see. So I'm not I'm not gonna, I'm not going to be so sure to say that we are definitely going to see. But what I hope we see is people waking up to the fact that big government is big government, and you can't just look at small parts of that of that organism and hope to to crush it entirely. And you can't just say, you know, as I think the the Bernie folks say that oh the the way to do it is 
If we crush the big banks, Wall Street's going to stop controlling our lives. No. Even if you even if you were to figure out a way to crush Wall Street or you know, if you were to go in and forcefully break up the banks, all that this big government, which is which is what Bernie wants, you know, Bernie wants then government to control entirely the the healthcare sector and control entirely the the education industry the high, the higher education industry really the education industry industry as a whole but when that happens you're going to have whatever government existed in one portion of the economy you're going to have it you're going to have it grow elsewhere you either need to make changes across the board or they're never going to take hold. So I'm hoping that's what the that's what the people wake up to. That's what that's what people understand that special treatment of individuals is a necessary outgrowth of huge expansive government. So I don't want to get too far off onto that kind of tangent. Um, and I, I want to bring this back to the topic at hand. But really, the point is this still helps Trump. Maybe not quite as much as an indictment would have helped him, but it still helps quite a bit. He's going to have all this extra fuel now in the debates beyond what he already had, and there are a ton of ways to target Clinton. Not that there aren't ways to target Trump, but stuff seems to bounce off of him. And I don't know how Clinton is going to respond when he throws some of the things at her that he's inevitably going to throw at her. I mean, look at what he did in the in the Republican debates and really in all the kind of skirmishing back and forth. He accused Ted Cruz's dad of plotting to kill JFK. I mean, he, he did all sorts of things there, and there's so much more there with Hillary Clinton and Bill, of course, and Bill's going to be a huge part of this whole process. So this is going to help Trump quite a bit. Not just in terms of what he can do in the debates, but in terms of who's going to now move toward Trump. So I think first you're going to see more of those voters on the fence jumping to Trump. And one of the biggest reasons for that is because with Hillary, you know what you're going to get. You know you're going to get another corrupt administration that's just going to carry on, really carry on the torch from one of the most scandalous administrations in American history. I still think Trump's going to be a bad president, but at least with him there's the hope that he could be a good president. There's there's at least a glimmer of hope that he could be a good president. But with Hillary, you know exactly what you're going to get, and it's going to be more of the same after a very corrupt administration. Not probably maybe not the most corrupt ever. I mean, you look, you look at what uh, what Lyndon Johnson's administration was like. He may have to take the cake. George Bush's administration also, George W. Bush's, was very corrupt. There are a lot of a lot of corrupt politicians in American history. That list is incomplete without Richard Nixon as well. Bill Clinton has a lot of scandal around it. But you know what you're getting with Hillary Clinton. And with Trump, he's a wild card. He could be horrendous. He could be good. And even though I think the chances are much more likely he falls on that bad side on that negative side you never know with him so that's a big reason why i think some people are going to jump to trump that right now are kind of sitting on the sidelines waiting waiting to figure out who they're voting for i also think you know i think you're gonna see a lot of people making that calculation and finding trump as the lesser of two evils so with what has come out in this investigation it's really what we all already knew 
about Hillary Clinton and what we already had surmised about this whole situation, if you've been following the story at all. But I think this just confirms it for anybody that maybe was holding out doubt that she was grossly negligent during her time as Secretary of State, and I don't think you can trust a person like that as president. Now, not that it's easy, not that it's necessarily easy to trust Donald Trump as president either, but I think a lot of people are going to make that calculation and find that they think Trump is the lesser of two evils. I've seen plenty of people make the argument the other way, where they think Hillary's the less of two, lesser of two evils, and so you can't vote for Trump, never Trump, so you've got to vote for Hillary because she's the only realistic alternative. I think another thing which I've talked about a lot, I don't think I've talked about it on this podcast, but I've tweeted about it and in discussions, in private discussions with people, talked about this quite a bit, but I still think a lot of Bernie supporters are going to come over to Trump. And I know I saw that something like 20% of his supporters already in a poll were saying that they would at least consider going to Trump. I don't know if they said they were voting for Trump, but they said that they would consider supporting Trump. But I think that percentage is only going to go up. I think they hate Hillary more than they hate Trump because Hillary actually represents everything that they're against. Trump represents a lot of a lot of what Trump says and does they're hugely against. But Hillary being that professional politician, part of the system, part of the system that they see as being rigged, as being rigged against them, they see her as being the representative of that system. And Trump for all his ills, he's not really a representative of that system, at least politically. He may be part of the crony capitalist class. They may see him as being part of that, but he's not part of this professional professional political class, this professional political elite class. Also, I think there, there are different segments of people, different groups of people that are supporting Bernie. So I, I divide them up into two large divisions. So one is the people that believe that what Bernie is advocating will make them economically better off. So they're supporting him out of self-interest or they they think out of their own self-interest. The other group of people is supporting him because they really believe in his progressive ideals. So they really believe in universal health care or you know they really believe him Believe in believe in all these things that he advocates. You know, universal education, um, all these huge taxpayer-funded programs. They believe in that, and so even if maybe they think they'll be a little bit worse off under that system, they're voting for him because they believe in that. So I think the people that are supporting Bernie more out of self-interest, so more out of they think that more out of the the reasoning that reasoning that they will be better off as a result of Bernie being president. I think those are the people that are very likely to move to Trump. Because the same things that Sanders is advocating in terms of being against free trade, wanting to protect American jobs, Trump is saying a lot of those same things. And he's at least been sympathetic to some of the progressive ideals, at least in terms of universal health care. And they may think that they could do enough to sway him in that direction, to, to get enough in that sense to be happy while at the same time having their jobs here protected and having free trade be curtailed. So I think you're going to see a lot of those types of people move over to Trump from Sanders. The people that that firmly believe in, in the progressive ideals, I think they're much more likely to either sit it out, 
vote for Jill Stein or if they're going to cross over to another major candidate to cross over to Clinton because she's already started to really pander to that group of people, to pander to the, to the progressives. And I think that she'll do enough to bring them over. So the people that are really hardcore progressives, I think she will be able to draw because she's done just enough to do that. And with Jill Stein, you know, she is she doesn't have a realistic shot at winning. I think she's the most closely aligned left to to uh, to sway Bernie voters over. But that vote isn't really going to count. Just like a vote for Gary Johnson isn't really going to count in any real sense. You know, in any real sense in terms of that person actually becoming president. And though I'm though I'm very skeptical about Gary Johnson, and I'm not supporting him wholeheartedly whatsoever. I I think he could attract some Bernie Sanders voters too, who are really attracted to. I'm saying maybe a third smaller group of of Bernie supporters, but they are people that support Bernie because he's consistent and honest. And if you're looking for consistency, you really can't get better than libertarianism. And Johnson is an extremely extremely imperfect libertarian. And I'm critical of him on many things, but he's the most consistent politician left in the race. You know, maybe besides Jill Stein, she she's pretty consistent too. But she doesn't have any sort of sway, even compared to what Gary Johnson has. And then Gary Johnson has no chance relative to Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. So I think maybe Gary Johnson could support or could attract the supporters of Bernie Sanders that support him simply because of his because of his honesty and his consistency. Though I do believe the way that he presents issues is very dishonest. But the way that his supporters see him, they see him as standing up to the system and being willing to say what other people aren't willing to say. And I think that if that's why you support him, I think libertarianism might be the next best realistic outlet for you. Where there is a sort of consistency of thought and there is some logic behind the positions that libertarians take. I'm not getting too hopeful on that front though because obviously socialism and libertarianism are on complete opposite ends of the spectrum in many different ways. So I'm not I'm not getting my hopes up on that at all. Beyond the implications on the presidential election, I don't want to get too bogged down into the election because this is this whole episode is much more about something bigger than that. So I think the broader impact of this decision is that it will further embolden the various outsider groups, be it the Bernie progressives, the Bernie supporters who see themselves as being this this outsider group, and the alt-right, which also sees themselves as being this outsider group that's all of a sudden been able to come to power due to the internet. I think I think those are those are a couple examples. It's gonna really embolden them to say that this system is rigged, is rigged against them. And there's some evidence in that. And the reason why you're seeing these movements come about is because people are fed up with the status quo. And all that Hillary Clinton represents, and all that this decision represents, the decision to let her off, let her off the hook, not hold her responsible for what she did, which is really, it, it's reprehensible and idiotic, frankly, that she would even try to do that, even think that that would be okay. But what this is going to do is embolden those groups. And give them give them real ammunition in this in this big debate that we're having in this country, and they they really do have the evidence on their side. You know, I don't support where they necessarily take that anger. You know, what they advocate is the solutions, but this system is broken. And what I hope is that people will eventually figure out 
and will eventually deduce that the problem is the big expansive government and that comes corruption comes hand in hand with that big expansive government that's trying to trying to get into every aspect of our lives and that's really the issue that i think libertarians need to be hammering home right now is the fact that big government is what is enabling these kind of quid pro quo agreements to come you know i'll do you a favor you do me a favor this stuff couldn't come about if government didn't hold any power you know you wouldn't have you wouldn't have the type of favors to hand out that would allow for loretta lynch to then let hillary clinton off the hook you wouldn't have those kind of favors to hand out because government wouldn't be this almost omnipotent force that it is right now so i'm hoping that that's the conclusion that we can draw that's where we can lead this discussion and i think that's where everybody's kind of coming to everybody's reacting it to different ways getting angry for different reasons but i think that ultimately we're going to kind of there's going to be a broad coalition of these outsider forces that are going to figure out how to fundamentally change the system which is needed thank you again for joining me and i'm actually going to have another episode out very soon uh I have, an, I have another good topic in mind, and I might even record it soon after I finish this. So hopefully I'll have two episodes out, kind of bang, bang. Please share this with friends. Please give me any feedback that you have. And thank you so much for being a part of this. Have a great week.